Welcome to Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, a luxury interior designer and construction expert. Educated at the New York School of Interior Design and employed by AD Top 100 firms, I have created a niche expertise in managing large-scale construction projects from renovations to new builds over the past three decades. Today, I'm on a mission to instill confidence in designers through this podcast and my online course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. Whether you are new to construction management or a seasoned designer like me, I am all about transparency and tactical advice for fellow designers. On this podcast, I share actionable steps, practical tips, real-life examples, and behind-the-scenes tricks that I use while managing construction projects. Not only will they keep them on schedule and on budget, but will give you the confidence to know that these projects will end successfully, protecting your profit as well as leading to a pipeline full of incredible referrals. If you've been searching for support and advice on construction management to grow your skills and confidence so you can avoid the mistakes that I've made in the past, then you're in the right place. Before we get started, I want to thank each of you for being a part of this community. Your listens, subscribes, and reviews are what allows me to make this show great week after week. I've got lots of plans for growing this podcast, and that's enabled by you. Make sure to follow the podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a thing. If you enjoy this episode, spread the word. Leave a review and tell your interior design friends how much they can learn from this show. Today, we're going to talk all about confidence. It's been a while since I've dedicated an episode to this incredibly important topic and one we need to get right as often as possible. So let's dig in. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Before we dive into today's topic, I want to give an update to last week's episode number 139. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it so you can understand why this is an important update for that episode. So for those of you who did listen, I was talking about how we were traveling in California and I was using as an example of how interior designers can add value because of the fact that architects sometimes miss the mark as far as functionality of an interior space. And for an example, I used a shower stall, or in fact, multiple shower stalls that we had in hotels along the way, and that the shower door swung out into the room and how it dripped water all over the floor, et cetera, and wouldn't it be easier if it just swung in? Okay, so that's the backstory. I had a wonderful female architect, go Deborah, because the architecture world needs more females in it, just like construction needs more females in it. And she reached out to me and she said, just so you know, the reason it swings out is because it's to code. And let me be clear, she was not saying this in a snarky way or condescending way. We were simply information sharing. And I really appreciated and admired her for doing that for me because ultimately I want this podcast to be as accurate as possible. And it's going to take people like Deborah to reach out to me and say, hey, here's some additional information. 
So that goes for anyone listening. If you hear me say something and you have another perspective or additional information, email me. I really do want to make sure that this is as accurate for everyone listening as humanly possible. So I immediately thanked her for the information and mentioned that it must have been a commercial code because I know in my residential world, I have the doors swing into a shower. And so this is where irony lies within the code because I dug into it, did some research, and which way the door swings is much more complex than how the code is written. So the International Code Council, which is what we all lean on when we need a building code, says, quote, hinged shower doors shall open outward, period. That's all it says. And that's frustrating for those of us in the world. Like, okay, what does that mean? Well, as my trusted glass vendor, who I always use, and reached out to regarding this situation said, yes, Renee, the shower doors must swing out to meet code, but it can also swing in. It just has to swing both ways. And that made sense to me because, yes, my client's shower doors swing both ways. Now, there isn't that stop seal because obviously you can't have a stop seal and have a door swing both ways. But we put a flexible one that goes in and out. And I've never honestly had a client say that they've had any water leak through that. But the irony of the code is something I still take exception with, right? So, okay, I understand the door must swing out. If you do a little research, it says it's for safety so that if you slip and fall in the shower, you can always push the door and get yourself out safely. Totally makes sense. And that's what building codes are for is to keep us safe in our homes. But what it doesn't take into consideration is if it only swings out, then the water, which is what I commented on, goes all over the floor, which traditionally is a tile floor and could produce a slipping hazard. So maybe you didn't fall in the shower, but perhaps you're slipping outside of the shower because the door only swings out. So this is my point with codes. Of course, you must, and let me repeat, you must follow building codes in order to keep your clients safe as well as your work legal. And frankly, a good contractor won't do anything that isn't up to code. But codes aren't always all-encompassing. So the purpose of this update is so that you do know. One, it was a fantastic exercise for me to go through. And for seasoned designers listening or designers who've just been doing this a couple of years, it's always good to go back and just triple check. Am I doing this the way it is meant to be? Because I did have a code class at New York School of Interior Design way back when in the 90s. And our adorable code professor, who I can't remember his name, but he was soft-spoken, wore a bow tie, and, and was just the perfect combination of sweet and nerdy. And while we expected an entire semester learning the codes and memorizing them and doing all the research, he said, no, I'm just going to show you where to find them because they're different in different states and counties and cities, and then even different outside of this country, and they can change over time. So I really do thank Deborah for pointing this out because I want to clarify that the door must swing out, but it can also swing in and therefore avoid getting water on the floor and possibly causing mold, mildew, or slipping, which can be very serious, obviously. So codes are a funny thing. And interestingly, I did some more poking around the codes because I was on the site and these are the nerdy things I find enjoyable some days. It doesn't specify, for instance, that the doors shouldn't bump into things. So 
again, in last week's episode, I mentioned that the shower door cleared the corner of the vanity by a fraction of an inch. Well, it needed to clear that vanity in order to open so I could get into the shower. But I guess if there was a vanity behind it, it could bang into that. I mean, right? Which obviously no one would ever do or design, but the code doesn't even cover that. And then I think that is a safety issue, right? If you bang a door, even a tempered glass door into something, at some point it might break. So codes are a funny thing. And I'm glad we're having this discussion about them. And so I encourage designers to go look at things you are normally doing. Make sure those codes haven't changed. Ask your vendors, why are we doing it this way and not that way? And frankly, I feel reassured that not only are all of our projects up to code, but that the vendor I am using would never allow me to specify something that wasn't to code because, of course, it comes down to him who made it and installed it. So this was an amazing exercise. And again, if you are listening and you hear something that you have further information or clarifications, please let me know. I think we all are better knowing these things. And honestly, we're listening to this podcast. I'm producing this podcast so that we can all learn together. So, Deborah, kudos to you for reaching out to me, and I appreciate going through this exercise. Okay, so that exercise actually does dovetail into my conversation I want to have today with each of you about confidence, because I thought about the email after I had responded, and I thought, you know, if I had gotten that email five, ten years ago, I would have panicked. I would have had an anxiety attack just reading it, not even doing the research, just reading it going, oh my God, I've totally screwed up. Oh my God, how many clients' projects are out of code? Oh my God, oh my God. And I would have spiraled for a little bit. Not gonna lie, I really would have spiraled until I had done the research and made myself feel confident again that in fact they were fine. And that is what I want each of you to avoid because there is no good that comes out of anxiety. Trust me. And all it does is make you fearful of your own decision-making powers. And that is something I want you all to avoid at all costs. So my hope is that you don't think by the end of this episode that you will have all the confidence in the world and that no project will ever make you wonder about your abilities. Because I have always told you I won't lie to you, and that's just not possible. I am 30 years into this career, and I get onto projects where I don't know something. It's as simple as that. I have not been exposed to every scenario, every situation, every vendor, every detail that someone can dream up on a project. And you won't ever be either. Now, the good news is, that's why I love what we do. It's exciting. There's always something new to learn. There's always something new to experience. And that allows me to use it on my future projects. So it's like steps. Every project I have, I am one step closer to knowing more. Not all, but more. And that's how I want you all to look at it. Because when I did read this email, I thought, oh, it must be a commercial code because, yeah, my guy wouldn't ever do a shower door swing that isn't up to code. Eh, But I'll check on it anyway. That's not lack of confidence. That's just responsibility, right? I have a responsibility to make sure that my projects are what they need to be. I went through the exercise, checked all the boxes, found it to be the case, and I moved on. No spiraling, 
no freaking out, but actually it made me feel good that I had gone back and reviewed something and feel even more confident about it now. So my hope for you today on this episode is to understand that my goal is not for you to have all the confidence in the world. I mean, hell, I wish I could give you that. Frankly, I wish I could give it to anyone, me most of all. But I want you to learn to get a baseline of confidence that you can build from. So while I was looking things up, I wanted to see what a true definition of confidence is. And I found two. One was, quote, the state of feeling certain about the truth of something. I thought, okay, that's, that's, yeah, that sounds good. But then the next one was, quote, a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. Let me repeat this one because this is the one I want you to focus on. A feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. That's your goal. Not all the confidence in the world, but confidence in your own abilities and qualities that you have developed. So that's what I have. That's why I don't freak out when I'm experiencing something new on a project, because I know I have the abilities to work that out, to understand it, to research it, to implement it in my design, to bring it to my next client after I have figured it out on this one. And that is where the ultimate success lies. I don't freak out. I don't spend time spiraling out of control and ultimately delaying the movement forward, whether it's known to the rest of the team or not. You know when you've lost a day's worth of work because you're freaking out. This is what I want you to focus on. Now, the lack of confidence in your own abilities or qualities, I find comes from imposter syndrome, overwhelm, inexperience, but more so inexperience combined with a fear of asking for help. So let's break these down. Imposter syndrome. We all know what that means, right? You're on a job site and you don't feel like you belong. Now, I understand, obviously, named the podcast Only Girl on the Job Site, because right off the bat, 99% of the time, you're going to feel like you don't belong because you're walking into a boys club. Now, some of it's changing. Deborah is a female architect. I have heard from female contractors and plumbers and electricians. That would be amazing. I've come across it occasionally, but sadly, it's been rare in my career. So already off the bat, you're feeling like the odd man out. So how do we combat that? And I've talked about this in the past. One, dress like them. Don't go on job sites in dresses and skirts and high heels and inappropriate clothing. The way I look at it is, I might go up a ladder today. What will I be comfortable climbing a ladder in? Now, do I climb up ladders a lot? Nope, I don't. But it's my frame of reference when I do get dressed. Now, I'm not wearing Carhartt pants and work boots, but yeah, I'm typically in jeans, black pants, decent top, and flats. And if I'm on a new build, I throw boots in my car. I don't wear them all day, but I have access to them so that if the place is a mud pit, it doesn't stop me from going inside. Why do I do that? One, because if I need to go up a ladder, I want to go up a ladder and I don't want to feel like I'm 
mooning someone in the process. Two, I don't want the guys to feel uncomfortable, that they have to be careful around me, move things out of my way. I might get hurt. I want them to see me as an equal, and I can't be equal if they think I'm fragile. And three, makes me look like I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to be honest. If I show up on a job site and it's a mud pit and I'm standing there in loafers, yeah, the guys look at me like, shit, how are we going to get her to the door? And then they think, okay, how many boards can we lay down and can she teeter across all of them to get from point A to point B? And I go, hang on, let me grab my boots. And they go, okay, great. And you can see the relief on their eyes like, oh, okay, she's just got to put her boots on. And sometimes if they're looking snarky, because sometimes they are, I say, oh, I just came from another client meeting and knew I was going to stop by. It's all in how you frame the conversation and you have the ability to frame it. And this one, by the way, is so easy to accomplish. Now, have I been to a job site in a dress? Yes, I have. And I did a podcast on it because the guy did exactly what I thought he would do and made some snarky comment about it. But it wasn't intentional. It was actually, I didn't have time to go back and change before I went to this job site. So I made the choice of not being late for a meeting and going in a dress. And no, it wasn't a mud pit. It was a bathroom renovation and it was mostly finished. So I knew I was pretty covered at that point. There were no ladders coming my way. But of course, he did make a comment, a snide comment to attempt to make me little and not fit in. Now, luckily, I kind of expected it from this guy at this point. You sort of know the characters you have to keep an eye on. And I had some pretty good comebacks. And actually, and I actually caught my client snickering at the guy afterwards because she knew I had taken control of that situation. So that is the confidence. Now you may be saying to yourself, Renee, I'm not, I, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I just ah ah, I don't know. You can. You absolutely can. And if that means you practice a few zingers in the bathroom in the morning, go for it. Don't make them demeaning. Make them firm. You are your only advocate on most of these jobs, and you need to be okay with that and understand that it is not about you. And that's the next thing I want to talk to you about. This is not about you. This is about the team, or hopefully just specific members of the team. One, they may never and likely may never have worked with an interior designer on a construction project before. They're thinking, why is this woman here when we don't need a sofa yet? That literally may be what they're thinking. And okay, he may not be an ass about it. It's just he really doesn't know why you would be there so soon. It also may be that he's got insecurities of his own and maybe doesn't want to be shown up by a woman. Now, there's all that gender stuff that, you know, maybe one day I'll make an episode about, but I probably don't need to because you understand what I mean. That's okay too. You can go light on someone if you think that they are just insecure about their own abilities, or if you think it's better to boost their ego a bit in order to make the project go smoother. I've done that before. Hell yes. I see it as the best for the team and the best for the project. And not about me giving in or allowing bad behavior, because trust me, I do not allow bad behavior in particular when it's aimed at me. But sure, I'll stroke a few egos along the way if that means they'll be less of an asshole to me. And I highly recommend that for you as well. So the next reason I see people flailing about with their confidence is overwhelm. 
And, and I've been there a lot and I will be there again. But since my confidence is at a baseline, it doesn't knock me off my feet. So overwhelm can come from a gazillion things, right? And, and frankly, that's what causes overwhelm, having a gazillion things. I, I, and I get it. I predominantly work by myself. Most of my people who support me are virtual. So on the ground, it's me. And that's by design. I've had people work for me before. And frankly, it just didn't work out that well because their experience on job sites wasn't enough. And I'd send them out to do a site visit and a problem would come up and they'd call me and I'd need to be out there anyway. That was my choice. So I knew that. I knew my time would be spent more on job sites. And honestly, I love the smell of sawdust and I really do love being out in the field. So that was a positive choice for me. But that meant I had to make some changes internally. I took on different types of jobs. I stopped taking on certain jobs because I knew it would eat up my time that I would need to devote to job sites. I have two children. Neither drive on their own, although by the end of this month, technically speaking, she can drive on her own. Jury's out on that one. So I have pickups and drop-offs and after-school events and things that I can get help for, and I do when I need it. But honestly, I'm enjoying them. I know my time is limited with my children. My daughter will be in college in two years. And I honestly don't know how I'm going to manage that. So I want to spend the time with them that I have. And so I work accordingly. That can add to my overwhelm. Believe it or not, I have outside activities that I really do like and enjoy doing. And it brings me calm and peace and socialization and something I want to encourage all of you all to do. You cannot live and breathe design all day, every day. You just can't. And if you think you can, trust me, you can't. I've tried that. <laughs> Burnout rate is really bad. And then there's podcasts and online content and my course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. All of this is on my plate. And yeah, there are some days that it's overwhelming, but the majority of the time it's not because I have a baseline of confidence that can't be knocked down anymore. And I have planned accordingly. So we've had episodes on here about how to manage your workload. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it again because we all need reminders when work ebbs and flows. There will be times where Projects overlap that weren't expected to overlap, especially when we were going through COVID and coming out and things just weren't ending when they were supposed to end. But it is possible to manage successfully a workload that doesn't create overwhelm for you. So the other thing that can create overwhelm is the third category, feeling inexperienced combined with a fear of asking for help. Now, I will say, as women, we're not as fearful of asking for help. I don't know why men, I guess it's their ego, and we have really good egos. We're okay asking for help. But feeling inexperienced is okay. Let me repeat that. Feeling inexperienced is okay. If you don't have the experience, yes, you will be left feeling inexperienced. But don't be fearful of asking for help. So what does help look like? Well, help looks like asking your contractor, asking your trade, whether it's a tile setter. Why are you doing it that way? Whether you need to know or not, it's adding information and experience for you to apply to another job with a different tile installer 
Or, hey, the last time my installer did it this way, you're doing it that way. Tell me why. Don't be fearful. Don't stand back and not ask questions. It really does go back to saying there are no bad questions except the ones you don't ask. So staying silent will do no one any good. It may not impact your project if you have professionals, but you've learned nothing and you've probably walked around fearful that something's not going right, even though it may very well be going swimmingly. You can also ask fellow designers. I love the community that has been built around this podcast. Frankly, it's one of my happiest surprises that came out of this podcast. Now, you may be thinking, I don't feel like I'm a part of community, Renee. I'm sitting here, wherever you may be, in your car or on a walk or a jog or doing household chores at the end of the day. And you think, I'm sitting here by myself, not exactly community, Renee. And I get that. And I felt the same way. I am literally sitting by myself in my 14-year-old son's bedroom, staring at Lego projects and football paraphernalia, and and honestly, a few things I'm not really sure what they are, (laughs) because it had the best sound quality, and talking and looking at a mic. It is not exactly community feeling, but a community was built nonetheless, through people reaching out to me, me connecting other designers with each other because they had something in common and both emailed me about. And it's built a community with the online content that I've created for you that's found on my website and ultimately inside the course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management in both the community chat that's included in the course, as well as the VIP live calls. There really is this amazing ground surge of interior designers looking for a community around construction. And I honestly never saw it coming. I really didn't. If you are new to this, then please know I started this podcast for homeowners during COVID because I had an annoying client that wanted me to explain how to manage a project without me being able to be there legally. Wasn't allowed even in the state. And it wasn't until designers like you showed up And started asking a bunch of questions that led me to pivot the entire thing to focus solely on lifting up interior designers, sharing my experience, my tips, my tricks, my best practices, so that we all are more successful on construction projects. And if you had told me 10 years ago, five years ago, hell, three years ago, that this is where I would be, I would have absolutely laughed in your face and said, that's not remotely possible. But here we are. So the one thing I want you to be careful of is crowdsourcing. I am in a lot of Facebook groups because I do enjoy them. And there's some really good ones, but they're mostly about decorating and resourcing. And frankly, I do love that. I found a few resources through them. But I do see intermittent questions about construction projects. And while most of them are pretty much on the money, they're usually missing something. And it leads me to believe that the person giving the answer doesn't have a whole lot of experience as well. They're well-meaning. I am not trying to tear them down. I am still in these groups myself. I always pipe up when I see one, but it does make me a little anxious that there is no way to vet who is giving you this information. So the crowdsourcing still makes me a little anxious. I think it's improving, but really I want you to be seeking out information, 
from seasoned professionals, whether it's from me or from others who have been around the block, so to speak, for a lot of years and have the experience to pass along the information that you are needing to keep you successful on your projects. There would be nothing worse than you applying something you found on a Facebook group to your project and finding out from the people on the project that it was wrong. So who knew an email from Deborah about a shower door code would lead into this wonderful conversation about building a baseline confidence so that you feel successful and don't get knocked off your base when questions come up or a concern or an unknown. And that's how this community will continue to grow stronger together. So I want to repeat. So the goal for this level of confidence that I want for each of you is beautifully stated by the definition, quote, a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. This is obtainable. Whether you've been doing this work for a year or 30 years, it is obtainable. And I want you each to work on that. Fight that imposter syndrome. Work on your overwhelm and honor your inexperience. Own it. Share it. Don't ever inflate your experience because it will be found out. And look for help and advice in the areas that you need. That is how you will develop the baseline confidence you will need to take on any challenge that comes up on a construction project and why I find so much joy in my day-to-day work on these projects. I am no longer fearful. I am no longer spiraling. I am more curious and confident that I can figure things out. And you can as well. So as always, I can't thank you enough for your time today. If you ever have an update or a thought or a question about something you're listening to on these podcasts, please reach out to me. I still laugh at the woman who emailed me and said, you told me I could email you and that you'd respond, so I'm testing it. There was no question. It was hilarious. That's all she said. So I emailed back and I said, I'm here. What's your question? And she said, oh my God, I can't believe you actually responded. Yes, I actually respond because I am a card-carrying member of this community, just like you are. So until you need to email me, I thank you for your time today, and I really look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening, and I hope you heard something that you can apply to a project today. If you're ready to increase your construction projects in your business, check out the details on my signature course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. It's a six-part digital course that will save you a three-year learning curve, get you profitable, bring in an income and lifestyle that makes sense for you by learning the top strategies, what works and what doesn't, building your confidence so you're no longer paddling to stay afloat, or worse, learning how to manage construction on a client's project. Through the course, I'm handing over 30 years of top strategies and advice. Head to my website, devinyedesign.com, for more details on the Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management and become educated and empowered for your next construction project.